web any size. Catch your seeds just like flies. Look out! Here comes the Spider-Man. My name's Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 175 of Cinepunks. This is like a major label episode, right? Like if the rest yeah. of our episodes are punk episodes, this is like the majors. This is yeah. like this is like uh Clarity by Jimmy Eat World right now. Like putting because that on of, Sony. Wait, because of the number or because of what we're talking about? Because what we're talking about. I mean, to be fair, we did plenty of episodes early on that were like, hey, we just saw Star Wars, so we're just going to talk about that, yeah, right? Like, we did. We, oh, we did man, big up those. to Sean Bennis' sign. I want to shout out my boy. We haven't seen, we haven't talked to him since uh, Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I talk to Sean all the time. I do love you, Sean. Do you really? Yeah, he's my buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I keep up with Sean. Well, actually, it's funny you say that, though, because compared to you, I talk to him all the time. But then I just said that out loud, and my brain went, uh, it's been a couple months, man. You should probably text Sean. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. I should text Sean. The same way, like, I, I, if someone asked who I don't talk to all the time, I'd say, oh, yeah, I talked to Mike Cavalieri. But, like, I just remembered to send Mike Cavalieri a Vox. Like, it's been, like, I think two months since the last time I talked to him, maybe three months, you know? Ooh. So, like... You know, in my mind, I talk to him somewhat regularly, but that's really just because I live in some sort of weird parental time warp where I lose track of like time and what's going on, you know. But it's also like a post COVID reality, right? Like, yeah. even though it's not done, it's still like time is now a weird thing. Well, you know, so, I, I we were talking about this uh, before we started the show, but uh, friends of the show, uh, both former guests, Bob Shed and Pete Hilton, they just ended their podcast, In Search of Tracks, and they talked about how. They're not going to do the podcast anymore, but don't worry. They said to the audience, don't worry. We're still going to hang out. We're going to go get food on a regular basis, which I guess they hadn't done for a long time. But they're like, you know, the main draw for doing the show besides the audience is just getting to see each other. So rather yeah. than like doing all this work to do a podcast, let's just get lunch or dinner regularly. Like, let's hang out and have food. And I thought when I, I texted them to say like, oh, congrats. The show is great. Sorry, it's over, whatever, whatever. I was like, what a novel idea seeing people you love on a regular basis. I should get Give it a try sometime. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, just don't. Hard I, style, man. I mean, don't worry. I see my family and they are the best. But when it comes to like friends, it, it gets hard. And like I was already a bit out of practice in Easton because there just weren't as many people in the area and I'd have to travel for some people. But like out here, it's like if it wasn't for uh, Nick Numerality Zine, which he doesn't listen, but shout out Nick and Numerality Zine. If it wasn't for him, I guess Sean Hopman too from another city media. I see him somewhat regularly, but they're like the only people who I see regularly out here. Like even like former guest, Mike Dick, he's great. I never see him. I, I probably text him more than I've seen him in person. Uh, <laughs> I never see, there's a bunch of people who I kind of know like over social media out here that I never like have seen. Like there's a couple people who I know from the Twitch of the death nerve discord who live in the city. I don't know what they look like. Cause I've never met them in real life. I just know like we live in the mm. same area. Maybe I'll see them sometime and it still hasn't <laughs> happened. So it is what it is, man. Whatever. Anyways, yeah. point is, what are we, we on this episode? We're talking about two pretty, pretty big things. I'll be honest. One for me has totally eclipsed the other, though. I was yeah. very excited to talk about the other previously. Now I'm really just excited to talk about one. So what mm. are we talking about, Josh? We're talking about two blockbusters of this summer. Talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Now, I do have a bit of recency bias for two reasons. One, we both just saw Spider-Man. Yeah, we saw Spider-Man last night. night. Just last night. And I just wrote a piece about it. So if you want to head over for written stuff that is, I hope, more eloquent than when I just talk, uh, head over to Cinepunks.com. That piece is up now. Uh, But I did also love Guardians. I do think one of these things is going to stand the test of time, and the other one I just think is pretty cool. But when it comes to the MCU, I'm at the point where I want to celebrate the things I think are pretty cool because for whatever reason, a lot of the the fan base for the MCU has like really turned has on them. Turned. Really yeah. turned on them and really are like attacking them. And for me, we've talked about this before, but I think a continuing theme for me is I don't know that the old stuff was good enough to justify your vitriol now. You know, I especially yep. a great a Guardians is a great example. I've heard many people say the first two are great, but this new one sucks. And I'm like, hit the bricks. Get yeah, out no of here. fucking way. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. No, this movie was dope. Yeah, but spoiler, I mean, the, the Spider-Man movie, this is another level for me, Josh. It's Yeah, it's, no, agreed. This is so good. Yeah. It, we'll get, it's a... F- okay, 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 okay. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish your point. I, it's a cliffhanger, and I'm still yes, in. I know, I know. We'll get oh, in, my God. We'll yeah. get into All it, right. y'all. We're not going to do spoilers. I know we tend to be a spoiler-heavy podcast. We're going to not do that for Spider-Man, because it's not even... It's not even out, out yet. Yeah, out yet. Yeah. Like by the time you're hearing this, it's out. But when we recorded this, it hasn't even come out yet. So I don't want to get into spoiler territory. We can have a discussion at some later date that involves spoilers. But I think we can still talk about a lot of what we loved without getting into spoilers. Yeah, I think we'll say a little bit more about Guardians just because it's been long it's enough. It's been out longer. Yeah, yeah. That that we can say it again. I, I won't spoil some of the bigger stuff, but it's a little easier to talk about because there's more time there. So, anyways, right. yeah. All that to say, I think you're right. This is a blockbuster episode, but I still think we'll we'll bring toward our usual intellectual aplomb. I say, <laughs> as if I'm not the biggest comic nerd in the world who's just excited. <laughs> Although I will say these are two comic book movies based on comic books that when I was a full comic nerd, I could not give a fuck about. I was not a Spider-Man reader. I grabbed issues here and there because they seemed cool, but I was not a regular reader. Ooh. And you could not have paid me to read Guardians of the Galaxy when it was a thing, when I was getting comic. Now, to be fair, the Guardians team... I think that existed at that time is not the team that's in the movie. It was like a different vibe, right? Yeah, it was a different bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So maybe that's part of it. But I, but straight up, like, I was not a Guardians reader, and I was never a huge Spider-Man fan. Though I did appreciate the character, and I did watch, like, the cartoons and stuff. Mm. I just didn't buy a lot of Spider-Man comic books. I mean, honestly, the only thing I bought religiously were the X books, and everything mm. else was catch as catch can. Oh, wow. I Well, we'll get into it, but my yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. All right. But I mean, before we get into before, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's, before let's we get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to thank our people who support us on Patreon. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that you spend any of your money on this to keep this operation going. And it's because of you that we can continue. So thank you for that. We want to thank the good people at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, xlvacx.com. Hit them up. Our man Chris Rejects got you. You need something printed on a t-shirt or on a mug or a poster or some shit. Ask our man Chris. He's got your back. If you're tired, maybe drink a little bit of coffee from Essex Coffee Roasters. That's our boy Aaron Dahlbeck, who you might know from bands such as Be Well and Bane and Converge. 
some little bands. But um, if you hit up uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com and put C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X in at the checkout, you'll get 10% off of your order. And also, finally, um, we want to give a big up to uh, our man Sharky at MechanicalSharkMedia.com. If you need help with any type of audio, visual stuff, hit him up. He's happy to collab with you, and he is the fucking man. So we love Sharky, and hit up Mechanical Shark Media for all of your media needs. So I did all of them, Liam. Did you see that? That was I did, real swift. I, did. I know. I will, I will say for most of them, you didn't actually say the websites, but that's okay. Right. Because that's okay. They links, know what it is. Well, there's links to them in the show notes, which we should always say. And there's say. links in the show notes. Oh, we yeah. We should yeah, always yeah. say that but the, because I do it every week, but we never say check the show notes for links. So if you're yeah. sitting there trying to remember what the web thing, just go to the show notes. We put the links in there. Uh-huh. My show and notes also, are not that long. Hit up, so. hit up um, uh, Rough Cut Fan Club for cool t-shirts. Yeah, I hope we're going to have some new stuff soon. Justice has been really busy, but uh, I'm hoping right. we'll have some I've been rocking my demons with Garfield on it super hard. I love that. That makes me very yeah, happy. Yeah, I might need a jacket of this or maybe a blanket. I mean, I think when the weather gets cold, I could see us re-upping the image for a different... A tank top? Ooh. No, I said when the weather gets cold. Why would we do a oh, tank top oh. when it gets cold? Oh, I, I just thinking... thought a tank top would be good, so I don't yeah. have to cut the sleeves off of this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'll just, you know, uh, uh, maybe I'll just, uh, you know, put in an order for like hoodies and then just be like, also print me a couple tanks. Just add some mm, tanks. And so sickening. I, so I sickening. I, you know, I've officially gone past the point where I'm comfortable with tank tops anymore, man. So really? Yeah. I need to get back into it because I mean, really, I just sized. Is this the Chicago weather thing? No, it's like I sized out of the tank tops I had, but also I just feel not as physically comfortable in a tank top right now because mm. not that I was the sexiest gentleman before, but I felt pretty good. <laughs> I felt like, okay, like I wasn't embarrassed or anything. And now I just, I feel like I'm kind of bulging out of a tank. Like by the time I get a tank that's big enough for me to feel comfortable, it's going to look a little too flappy and loose, you know? And the tanks mm. that I had, they all looked like weird muscle shirts. I was trying to like <laughs> <laughs> bulge but i say that as if it, i have muscles which i don't you know what i mean like so when i say that i'm not saying because i'm ripped i mean quite the opposite so anyways uh hey uh we did the thank yous very well uh-huh, thank you uh-huh. josh you did thank that very you're well. welcome you're welcome uh, i did that and uh then we do something whack it on track oh you did it i love it all right. So, Liam, what have you done recently that is whack, or what have you done recently that is on track? I'll be honest, Josh. A lot of my on tracks are the two things we're talking about today. I have not been to the movies as much as I would like, mm. and I haven't had a lot of free time. I've been busy in a way that is not fun. It is mostly stressful. And so uh-huh. uh, the my two biggest like things I did in the world was going to see these two movies. Guardians I saw with Suze. We made like a little trip of it and went to a theater we like and it was cool. And then um, uh, Speederman we got to see both got to see at press screenings. Uh, mine was at a, a, a theater that I don't love, but is good enough, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's not my favorite venue in the city, but it's fine. Uh, and it was a good crowd to see it with, I think, because, you know, in Philly sometimes, we wouldn't love when a press screening had a lot of past people because yeah. sometimes they were very rude and weird. And I have not had Less this, than respectful to the movie. Let's say that. I have not had that experience in Chicago, and I will say the people who lined up, I don't know how they got these passes, but the people who were lined up 
who were not pressed for this screening of Spiderman were super nerds who not only got all the references in the movie and thought they were funny and great. I swear they got some I didn't notice. There are a couple times people cheered and clapped that I was like, fuck, what was that? I missed it. I missed that one. What was that one? <laughs> so like, as far as I'm concerned, it was actually a perfect environment because I was in the two, three, there was like three rows just for press. Those folks were not clapping and cheering. I don't think because they didn't like the movie. I just think not all, but some of the critics here are a little more reserved. Uh, maybe they, mm. maybe there's a feeling that it's not appropriate for a critic to get fucking stoked. There was some laughter. I shouldn't say there was none, but it was not at the level that like the larger crowd was. And I needed some, I needed some hype on this movie, and I'm glad I got mm. it from those from those non critics that were there. Uh, anyways, point is, those were my two big on tracks. I will mention one or two other things. Um, a lot of people are talking about the end of a bunch of HBO shows, as you know. Succession ended. Mm, yes. Barry ended. I haven't watched it yet, but Ted Leo is ending. So there's like Ted a, Lasso. I'm Ted sorry, Leo's right. a singer. Yeah, you're right. Ted Lasso. 100%. Every time I see Ted Lasso, I think Ted Leo. So that's why that came I out of my love mouth. Ted Leo. It's I so love good. him too. He's so good. Um, so the, a bunch of shows have ended, and I, you know, I like all those shows. Uh, this show isn't over, but it's actually the one I wanted to talk about more, which is something we've talked about previously, but I want to bring it back up again. That Somebody Somewhere show on HBO. I don't know the show. Yeah. We, we've talked about this before, and I think it's one of those things that, like, I mean, this sounds like I'm complaining, but I'm not. Sometimes when I recommend stuff, it goes into the, yeah, that's fine. Liam said that, but whatever column, which I get because uh-huh. sometimes yeah. I you say a lot stuff. of stuff. Yeah. 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 So do you know who Bridget Everett is? No. She's a comedian who has an, she used to do a live act that was very popular where she would just like sing crazy songs. Some of them were covers. Many of them were originals often about her, being sexy and having lots of sex and she is a uh a woman of carriage and i think that part of the vibe is her being this kind of diva right when she does not fit a lot of people's definitions of like i don't know traditionally attractive i mean divaism got it yeah i think i mean don't be wrong i think a lot of people do think she's incredibly attractive so i don't want to dismiss the lady but i do think the vibe is like she's going to come up and rub her boobs in your face like a cabaret singer or something it's going to be funny and fun well she created a show with some other people but she not only stars in it but like is you know uh the one of the primary you know creators of it and it in it she's playing a fictionalized version of herself who isn't famous who is sort of mourning the death of her sister and has moved back to her hometown and is like just incredibly unhappy, just in a really sort of bad place. And so it's funny because aspects of her personality that people have come to know from her stage show are in the show, but they're very subdued. And what you get is a show that is at times just painfully hilarious, just fucking laugh out loud, kill me funny. But most of the time is more like subtle and soft spoken and really like centers um, dealing with difficult emotions while still Mm. having just hilarious. So I guess for a lot of people maybe saying, oh, it's it's a it's a it's a quiet dramedy is maybe a bummer. But understand what this show does that a lot of these shows don't do is it's actually emotionally compelling and it's actually funny when a lot of these are not that funny. And I think um, 
it does a great job of centering a lot of uh, queer and trans narratives without the show being about that. And I think that's hard to do in, in today's environment. Yeah. So I can't recommend it enough. The second season just ended. And again, not that I wasn't excited for the other shows for their finales, but this show was what this hit me harder than anything else I watched as like a finale thing. So uh, yeah, if for some reason you haven't checked out somebody somewhere, I can't recommend it enough. Again, you have to like a certain amount, kind of like quiet, awkward humor. But like, mm. if you do, this shit is so good. And it has, because the moments of over the topness are so rare that when it hits that vibe, it kills me, man. Like I, I die. So <laughs> I love this show. It's so, 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 so good. Um, so I wanted to hype that up. Uh, otherwise, I don't have a ton Excuse me. Hold on a second. Try not, to, <laughs> try not to burp directly into the microphone. Let's get it. My my tummy's all messed up. Hold on. Okay. Uh, uh. So was, other than that, I don't have a ton of other stuff. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of the shows we've been talking about for a while. I've really been enjoying some some of that stuff. Uh, but you know, nothing really sort of stands out as like I, I need to hype this up too hard. Uh, I will mention for those people who know. And we're curious how it went. I did have the yard sale. It went really well. Maybe not quite as busy as we would have liked, but still pretty good. I feel like we did pretty good. Uh, Of course, after a yard sale like this, where the focus was less about just making money and more about getting some shit out of our house, the hard part is when you have leftover shit, right? So then you're like, what do I do with all this leftover shit? So I think we're trying to figure out like which stuff we need to donate, which stuff we need to hold on to for another yard sale, which stuff um, we need to sell. Like I put a bunch of stuff together to put, to sort of expand my Depop. So anyways, we, we got stuff that uh, to figure (laughs) out, but the thing itself went pretty well. And then I just spent the rest of the weekend once it was over hanging out with, you know, Susan Maeve and doing stuff and just relaxing. I didn't get to go. I was pretty hyped the last time we recorded on this show and I didn't get to go. Uh, Truth Cult played in Milwaukee, but by the time, by the time I got to Sunday night, man, it just wasn't going to happen for me. No. And you know, I had to get ready for, recording and stuff and it was just too it was just too much stuff going on so i didn't do it i didn't do it but that being said it was still a good weekend anyways that's all i got josh what's going i i know you have a lot more exciting things than i do well first the whack yesterday melani and i say goodbye to our little rocket raccoon mr george a romero and uh you know he was 16 it's an old dog and um you know we loved him very much and we still do and so we had to say goodbye to him. That was fucking terrible. Yeah. Just, ah, uh, never a good time. Not a good time at all. But yeah. um, had to be done. So that's what it was. And we did that. And then on to the on track. So there's a lot. Um, since we last talked, I saw Hammerfall. <laughs> Milani and I saw Hammerfall at Underground Arts. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on Swedish power metal. I fucking love that shit. And they sounded amazing. Here's the thing, though, Liam, that I don't ever understand, nor do I want to. The wall of 45 and up year old dudes just filming a band with their iPhones. So then as a person standing behind them, you now have to consume this live performance through a little screen that a dude standing right in front is holding in front of this band. I fucking hate it, man. My impulse is to grab the phone and throw it. 
every single time, which I know is an unpopular impulse. I know that. You know what I'm saying? But um, uh, fuck, I mean, man. I understand a quick clip. I got, I like a quick a quick clip. Yeah, I get okay. That. I'll but give you a quick a, clip. But there's a lot of people who are filming the whole show. Dude, and one I, dude I, was just live streaming it, and we could see he had two followers, man. Really? Word? Uh, You're going to yeah, ruin? I don't, oh, my I don't understand. Well, and I really don't understand people who just record the whole thing on their phone because, yeah. A, I don't know about you, Josh. I don't have the kind of space on my phone where I'm recording videos longer than a couple minutes, man. That's not my vibe. Yeah, man, not I don't a understand thing. that. Uh, and then B, like, I don't know what you do with that. Like, is that really like, do you put that on your socials and people are into that? Like, how long is how or do you chop it up into bits? Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, if you want to film shows that invest in a nice camera and film shows like I don't. I don't quite understand this idea that like, yeah, I'm going to watch this whole video later. I just don't think that's going to happen. And also you can't headbang while you're filming a show with an iPhone. You can't. Very true. Very true. Unless you want to watch something that'll give you car sickness later. I don't know. Anyway, Hammerfall were amazing. It was super fun. Uh, great night. And then I went and saw the Marksman who played with uh, Chain Bliss and Colleen Green at the church. Oh, and let me tell you something. That was an old people show, man. That was a lot of olds at that show, myself included, myself included. And um, it was really fun. Markmen were awesome. Haven't played Philadelphia in 15 years. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Other bands like That Deeds and Radioactivity and Lost Balloons, like they played, but I have never seen the Markmen, and it was fucking great. That's It awesome. was so much fun. So that was really good. And then um, I got a tattoo of a frog. Uh, let me think. I went to a prom. <laughs> oh, so, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to, so one of the clients that uh, that comes to the removery uh, works with friend of the show, Shayna and OB. Well, not OB, but she works with Shayna. And they came in for an appointment. And Shayna was like, yo, we got invited to a prom for her company at the Bach building. Do you want to come? And I was like, it sounds weird and awkward. Yes, I want to go. And to nobody's surprise, it was weird and awkward, but I had a lot of fun. And it's just cool being in the Bach building. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That place is cool. They had it in the gymnasium. There's basketball hoops. Everyone was dressed up or not dressed up. And um, it was really fun. And then Cross Keys played a record release show at the Dolphin. Have you ever been to the Dolphin? I have been in there before, but it was a long time ago, and it wasn't for very long. I think I just met up with someone there, and then we went somewhere else. Yeah, the last time I was there, it was in like the late 90s, early 2000s, and there was a lot of nakedity and fighting, and it does not look that way anymore. Oh, I'm sure and not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's revamped to be one of the new venues that Philadelphia will be booking punk shows in, and we played there, and it was a super fun time. Had a great time. Um, 90 people paid at the door already strange, but okay, let's do this. And, um, yeah, it was a great time. We had a really fun time and I bought two cakes because, you know, it's a party. What's a party without cake. I got a vegan one and a regular one and, um, people ate the cakes. So that's cool. And, um, a couple other things. I saw fast X. Did we talk about that at all? No, you haven't. We haven't. You we haven't talked since you saw it, and I right. know you're going to have a lot to say. And I'm curious what it's going to be. All I'm going to say is this: there was a dude there at the press screener, dressed like Vin Diesel, who then told me and Evo and Scully 
that he was Vin Diesel's stunt double for Fast X. <laughs> and we, we screamed. We shook his hand. We're like, I'm going to shake the hand that shook Vin Diesel's hand. And then we Googled him after the screening, and he was not the stunt double on Fast X for Mr. Vincenzo Diesel. So that was a little, that was, that was kind of a, a weird, but okay. A weird, how do you do? Um, the movie is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I loved every second of it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, we also saw a movie called You Hurt My Feelings, a new Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie. Did you hear about this movie? I am very curious to see it. I, I, I really want to check it out. I signed up for it because it's an A24 screening. And I was like, you know, A24 has a lot less uh, misses than hits. And if there's any screen, if there's any production company that I'm going to go carte blanche, just go see whatever it is that they put in front of my eyes. It's A24. And so I went into this one with no expectations. I didn't really even know what it was about. Um, and it takes me out of a movie. If it takes place in the metropolitan New York City area, and there's no one darker than a paper bag in the movie that has any agency outside of being a thug or a bandit or some type of thief. You know what I mean? And this movie suffers yeah. from that. Yeah, I hear it, you. It I takes mean, it place, looks, it looked, the trailer looks like this is the whitest white shit that ever did white. It's almost as white as Obvious Child, which is like the whitest New York movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I, you have a real beef with Obvious Child, and I. I forget that until you bring it up. Like every time you bring it up, I'm like, wait, what? Like it always catches me by surprise. Yeah. I always forget that you really don't like that movie. I don't like these depictions of New York city. And it's just weird to me, right? Like read the room dog. It's 2023. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's fine. The movie was okay. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a writer and um, she's working on a book, like a novel and she overhears her husband talking to his friend saying that he doesn't like the book, even though he tells her repeatedly how he thinks she's an amazing author and that it's a good book. And then it becomes this whole like, well, how do I even trust you? Is our marriage real? Like that kind of like party, which again, very much a first world problems kind of movie. But um, to play it such that like, I don't know, her son works in a weed store. Only time you see a Puerto Rican person in New York City is when that dude is robbing the weed store. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's just one of those flicks where it's like, it doesn't match my experiences in New York and North Jersey. And it, I mean, I get it. Who am I? But also it's like, we're going to really do the Seinfeld thing, huh? Like that's going to be the thing. Okay. I mean, uh, the only thing I will say is that I think that among a certain class of people, I understand that that is the experience they think they're having, but I don't want that. In, I don't want that in my movie. Like that's not interesting to me. And I think their perception is not really the reality. The reality is you can't be in New York without interacting with not white people. It's just folks don't think those people matter. So they create a movie mm -hmm. in which everyone is white. Cause those are the people that matter to them. And you know that I, I get it. Somebody somewhere was going to hear us say this and be kind of mildly offended saying well that's not really fair but i think to us it's like the time for these sorts of stories is so over for me it's just over mm. right like i just don't get me wrong like i there are plenty of movies that are only white people that like i still like anyway i mean we've talked about this i still like uh old wes anderson movies uh and yeah. even the even the new ones that occasionally have not white people in them it's so small about it doesn't really change the overall vibe so it's not like i'm saying like okay well every movie needs you know sort of a forced uh diversity but i do think 
what New York are we in where it's just yeah. white folks every it doesn't feel again I guess a certain class of people somehow walks apart and has their own sort of world, but it just, it doesn't feel real to me. And so I, you know, I thought the trailer looked funny. I'd like to see the movie, but it kind of bums me out that it's another movie that kind of takes that, that uh, uh, approach to telling a story. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. People who would poo poo that opinion are of, the same kind of like people that would be like, you need to just get over this, which is like, what do you say to that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't even, and if I were to tell you, Liam, you'd be surprised how many times I think about this kind of stuff. I'll mention it to people that I'm with. And I'm like, yo dog, you got to get over that stuff. It's like, yeah, I guess it'd be easy to listen to Morrissey. If you still were just like, you know what I mean? A person that isn't offended by casual racism or overt racism. Not the case for anybody darker than a paper bag in America, unfortunately. That's just where we're at. You know what I mean? And that's the time. So you either get on or you get out of the way, and that's it, right? Like, this movie definitely, for me, I found it to be, again, a culturally homogenous New York City is not anything that I want to see anything about. So, you know, uh, it, it did have some funny bits, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus is very charming, and I'll give her that, you know what I mean? But it's just too distracting for me. Again, to like just be in the park and like only in the park or just only white people there, huh? Like just walking around in Midtown. That's it. Just white folks everywhere. That's all. It's weird. Um, I saw another movie yesterday in D- in uh, Delaware called Monica. And uh, do you know about this movie at all? No, I haven't heard anything about it. It's so what happens is there is a trans character in the movie who transitioned from male to female and um. They haven't been home in a long time, and then they get the call that their mother is sick and is passing away. So then they go home, and the mother doesn't recognize them because they've changed, and they are now female presenting, you know? And the whole movie is this struggle, because the mother thinks that she's like a home health care aide of some sort. And, you know, she's having these struggles, these inner monologue things where she's trying to figure out, like, should she tell her mom? You know what I mean? And it's like, it, it explores those concepts of like identity. And like, there's a scene that's really emotional where like the brother gets home and it's the first time for the brother to see her as a woman. So then they have this conversation and it's, it's very painful, but it's also like, there is no script for this. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there, yeah. there is no template for this. And it's really an interesting exploration on identity and isolation and loneliness, but also connection. You know what I mean? And it's, right. um, it's a tale about compassion because, you know, the mom is declining pretty rapidly in the movie and she's like giving her a bath and like helping her through this transition, you know, and it's like to death, but it's so finite. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those movies that like it walks the line of challenging the viewer to like add the rest of the story that they don't tell, but show, but also it gives you just enough to understand where you're going. Sure. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Like, I really love a movie that doesn't just give it to you. You know what I mean? Like I love a movie that makes you work for it to the degree of like, you have to understand or you just have to think about where do you think the story is going to go? If that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really well done movie. It was also shot on film. 
It was shot on 35, which, you know, I fucking love that shit. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's a good movie. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we're going to talk about two other on track things in a sec here. But before that, let's take a break. Right, do whatever right, you right. got to do. Come on back. And we're going to be talking about Gurgeons of the Galaxy. Uh, was it just was it just volume three or was there a volume subtitle? tree? Yeah, mm. and then uh, and then uh, Speeder- Speederman, Speederman across the Speederverse. <laughs> when we get back.
we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Woohoo! Com- comic books, comic book movies are still have. It's still a thing. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, man. Yeah. I read a lot of Spider-Man. I loved Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was something about his pithy way, or maybe it was just the blue and red of his costume, or just. I love Todd McFarlane too. Not going to apologize about it. I was on board for the Spider-Man books that he started, um, sure. but I was also on board for Amazing Spider-Man too. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't read a lot of it. Was there a connection to the X books with the Guardians books? Um, I think. Well, I not not directly. I, I would say, however. I do wonder if there was some crossover because of Star Jammer stuff, you know? Like Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That Corsair had something to do and Guardian, right? Wasn't he something to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy also? I don't think I don't think early on, like I don't so for, just to sort of date ourselves. We're mm-hmm. we're talking 80s and 90s for the most part. In the 2000s yeah. are you buying Marvel monthlies or DC No, monthlies? by the 2000s I'd moved into <clears throat> the indie books. Right. So yeah, I was doing yeah. the Stan Sakai and I was doing the, you know, uh, Billy Corrigan, like all those like or Jimmy Corrigan. Sorry, not Billy Corrigan. He's the guy from Smashing Pumpkins um, doing a lot of. Uh, uh, well, of course, the Mignola, you know what I mean? The, right. Um, the right. Goon, the Hellboy, um, Eric Powell. But as far as so in the two. So as far as the 90s, I think the only direct connection you may remember there was the connection between Carol Danvers and the X-Men specifically mm. rogue stealing Carol Danvers powers. Right. Yes. Uh, and I believe at some point Carol Danvers became some sort of cosmic being. Someone will have to check us on these facts, but she kind of had like, she was kind of red and her head kind of looked like a star maybe, or it had like red lines coming off of it, you know? So I think that character when she was, whatever that persona was, did stuff with the guardians, but I also get confused with the guardians because there's, there's, okay. it was kind of like Avengers and then West coast Avengers. Like they were all Avengers, but Hawkeye was on West coast with vision and like regular Avengers was cap. And like, you know, like all the well, characters that we know in the nineties, I think part of what was going on is, um, some of the stuff that made it into the guardians of the galaxy movie actually comes from, uh, Adam Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Yeah, well, he was in the Infinity Gauntlet book. That's where I met. But him he first. had his own title called Adam Warlock and the Infinity Watch. That wow. I think Gamora was on that team. Drax was on that team. You know, whereas the Guardians of the Galaxy. In fact, so this is something that someone should fact check. But as far as I and by someone we mean Adriana. Go on, Adriana. I don't think she's that big a Marvel person, but maybe she'll know anyway. Or other, we have other comic nerd listeners, I believe. Uh, but my understanding, I saw this in a video, was that you know how in this movie there's a team of Ravagers that have their own mm. look, led by Sylvester Stallone. Right. Right. Those are the original Guardians, actually. The designs of those characters really? are based on the original Guardians, of which. From what I understand, none are in the current Guardians. That the very first iteration of this team is all the designs that are those Ravagers, like the shiny skin and the uh, magic lizard guy and all those Ravagers. The, that's based on the original Guardians. I think that's true. I saw that in a video. 
someone can fact check that. Uh, but <clears throat> but the the team that we have is a later iteration that draws from other comics and kind of puts them together. I will say a lot of the later stuff does have Rocket, does have Cosmo. Like, in fact, I was so glad that they included Cosmo in this movie because oh, did yeah, he's pretty important in the in the more recent comic books. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm really happy with this and with everything James Gunn has done with this property, but mm. with this movie too, because it does incorporate a lot of comic book stuff, whatever, whatever. But let's, you know, we're, we're getting First all of kind all, of metal stuff. Yeah. Let's just talk about what we thought. Josh, what did you think? We, you sort of said you liked it, but give us sort of a little more detail. What did you think about this movie? What did you think worked? And was there anything you thought didn't work about the movie? I think Chris Poulter as as Adam Warlock is a perfect and amazing conjunction. It's so good. You know, did you I, like him? I did. I a lot of people are bummed because they all know later Adam Warlock, and so they're like, Adam Warlock is such an interesting and kind of complicated character. Why is he such a doofus in the movie? Ignoring the fact, He's just born. Yeah, he was just born, and. The early iterations of Adam Warlock, he is a doof. That's the story of Adam Warlock, is that yeah. he he wasn't made by the High Evolutionary, though he does have a history with the High Evolutionary. He was made by a whole other group of people. But when he first comes out, he sucks. And then his arc in under multiple authors in multiple storylines is him. He's so powerful Rowing. and people yeah. keep wanting him to be like almost their messiah. But then he doesn't want that because he has this feeling that if he gives into his power, it will corrupt him. Uh, for those people who have read Adam Warlock comics, you'll know there's a whole series of his comics where his biggest villain is him in the future. The Magus that he Ooh. him in the future is a villain. He, he in the future turns evil, does this stuff, gets shot back in time and then starts a church that he, that runs the universe that he like is it the head of. So like a big section of his comics is him fighting a future version of himself and then going into his future and killing himself. He goes into his future just before he becomes a magus and kills himself. And then an author later, right at the point where he's needed for some important thing, that's when they have him kill himself. It's crazy. So anyways, right. his he's got this really complicated backstory. Uh, and a whole bunch of lore, and he's done all kinds of stuff. Like you said, he he had the Infinity Gauntlet for a while. He's worked with all kinds of cosmic heroes. So the idea that like they're starting with this original idea of Adam Warlock as this just born doofus who who's really powerful, but he's yeah. only been alive for like a couple months. He doesn't know what the universe is yet. That's fun. That's a that that to yeah, me is an easier way time. to introduce the character than being like, oh, this guy, he's space Jesus. Just go with it. Like yeah, there's a whole know, right? story in the comics where he gets crucified, right? Jeez. We don't we don't need <laughs> that here, right? That's just not where yeah. we're at with the character yet, you know? Yeah. Which I mean, again, maybe it's the thing that only matters to nerds like us. But ah, you know, you're already putting him out of order, you know? So fuck it, man. Like, just go with it. Um but I really did enjoy Chris Poulter's performances. I thought as he was great. Adam Warlock. Yeah. I thought he was really good. Um, this movie is James Gunn hanging out his horror resume, sir. There is a it, chunk of horror stuff in here. Yes. There is a lot of stuff in here that is not limited to, but includes gore. Yes. There's some gory. Holy bits. Moses. And I mean, it is course. not a kid's movie. I, I, you could argue that the first one is kid appropriate. This is not a kid's movie. And I feel mm -hmm. bad for parents 
who brought their kids and didn't bother to like read about it ahead of time because this is not a fun kid uh, hang you know this is one of the first this is of the guardian pantheon this is the only one where i felt that the stakes were a lot more severe i agree i agree despite the fact that it, you know it is the series finale of sorts right even though star lord sure. is apparently yeah. coming back it is a fucking grim movie well, and a lot of people aren't coming back, like Zoe Saldana, who is uh, Gamora. She specifically said she's not coming back. Uh, Drax Batiste, isn't coming yeah, back. Batiste yeah, Batista's not coming back. Like, a bunch of people said, like, they're fucking done. Which doesn't mean they might not show up for, like, a cameo. But there's a big difference between getting makeup up for a cameo and committing to a whole movie, right? And so... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, like, the, you know, the, the this version of this team is done... And there's a lot of shit they can do with Star-Lord on Earth. Like, him being on Earth now. Yeah, I know, right? That's there's a lot but of also, stuff they can do. And that's the thing, right? Like, does it open it to the Star Jammers? Are we going to talk well, about you know Cyclops? What? Well, Is because this... you're old, you don't know this. You know what it opens it up to? No. Kitty Pride. Oh. Star-Lord and Kitty Pride were a thing for a long were time. Were Again, you haven't read these comics. I'm saying this in a way like I'm above you. I'm in the same boat. We haven't read these comics in 23 years, man. A lot of shit has happened. One of those things is a whole Star-Lord series where he's left the Guardians, he's on Earth, he's with Kitty Pride. She's really? in she's in her pirate phase, which you didn't know Whoa. about, I bet, but she was a pirate yeah, for no a long idea. time. Yeah. For whatever, so side note. Was Lockheed in there? No, Lockheed isn't a thing anymore. That hasn't been what? a thing for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you got to remember the X-Men live on an on a on a living island and they have their own government. All the mutants do. But for some reason Kitty can't go to the island. The the fucking the fucking portals won't let her on the island. And she doesn't know why. So rather than make it a whole thing, she leads a team uh that is fucking uh pirates basically. And they run they smuggle mutants and they smuggle stuff for the mutant nation. Right? And Sometime in that time, in a comic book, I've never read. I'm talking about this like I've read it. I only know this from a video I watched about it. But they had a thing. Her and Star-Lord had a thing. So does that mean they're going to use him being on Earth to introduce Kitty Pride? I mean, that's what I want them to do. I don't think they will do that because I think mm -hmm. the continuing problem with Marvel is that, Marvel movies, that is, is that they don't have any balls. So they got all this, like, weird fucking material and i get some of it's weird in a way that'll never ever work but like right. take a goddamn chance you know like take a chance on yeah. something use this of no one will see it coming for you to use this as a way to introduce kitty pride no one would see it i mean some comic nerds will see it coming obviously because i saw it in a goddamn video but i mean your average movie person won't see it coming because they don't know a lot of people who say they know the x-men just know the cartoon right they don't actually yeah. know any of the comics let alone the more modern comics so like do something weird like i think that'd be fun but anyways it's not well, just I mean, that I, though. do like, you remember like the kitty pride wolverine like stuff like oh all that? yeah but that era the the x-men the john have, ramita era yeah it's yeah. like feels like it's gone the, the chris claremont era is gone well the x-men movies have drawn from that era i don't think the mcu can look to claremont or even like Jim Lee as their source material, even though a lot of people are nostalgic for that X-Men. I just think so kind. much, so much shit has happened since then. I mean, as an old man, I agree with you. I 
think there are a ton of people who like the latest version. Well, maybe not the latest, latest, but the latest as of 48, like that. As of like four or five years ago, the latest version, like it more than even the Claremont stuff. Wow. I mean, I'm t- you you say that, but I think if you had bothered to read House of X, you might feel differently. That yeah, shit I, dude, blew me away. I stopped a long, long time ago. Oh, I'll don't be me wrong. I think a lot. So, you know, someone who loves the X-Men, even though she has, I think, read a lot more DC, too. But I know she loves X-Men is Adriana. She talks to me about she listens to that X-Men podcast. She's a big X-Men head. I mean, she likes Alpha Flight and stuff like that, too. But she was a big X-Men head in the past and all throughout. But she's made she said to me that a lot of the x-men stuff prior to house of x had gotten really shitty like it was instead of being the crowning jewel of the of the of the house it had become like a wasteland of like Mm. you know dumb reboots and bullshit things and part of that i hate to say it but we can't we can't separate the comics we're getting away from guardians really far but let me just say this one point and then we'll go back to guardians you can't actually separate the comics industry from the movie industry and the reality yeah. the reality was fox owned mutants any mutants and the marvel didn't like that so they actually said no new mutant characters because all we're doing is giving ip to fox Fox. yeah and so like people have said oh it's weird that i think it's what is the what is her name miss marvel right oh it's weird that in the show she's a mutant because in the comic she's an inhuman she was only inhuman in the comic books because they weren't allowed to make new mutant characters she was supposed Mm -hmm. to be mutant in fact a ton of these inhuman characters from that era were all supposed to be fucking mutants by the by the creators but marvel's like no no more mutants we're not doing mutants we're done with mutants everything has to be inhumans now so like you know, that's what happened. And so I, anyways, I don't want to get too much into the nitty gritty of the politics and the money of it all, but getting back to guardians, I think what this movie does that I think is not getting the respect it deserves is it does include a lot of comic specific stuff and stuff that feels very comics. Like it reminds me of the books, even if it's not directly from a, a comic, it reminds me of comics. However, um, it also, Sorry, that was gross. It also takes seriously its relationship to the other Guardians movies. There are references in this movie to the other two Guardians movies, right? It echoes itself visually. It has visual references. It has thematic references. It is is a piece of a whole of these three movies, and I found that really satisfying. I do want to briefly aside to the couple things I didn't like because I think we are on the same page about the things we liked. Here Mm. are the things I don't like about this movie. One, I am officially over the needle drops. I, 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 first movie, I was like, oh, this is fun. Second movie, I'm like, I'm getting kind of tired of this. By this movie, I'm going, fuck, I don't care. Stop doing this. I hate it. Mm. Just get a soundtrack. Just get a soundtrack. I don't want this anymore. And they do it a lot in this movie. Bum me out. Yeah, they do. Second, it didn't bother me so much. I, I actually enjoyed it. It hard, it hardcore bummed me out. Even though I overall enjoyed the movie, that aspect got on my nerves. The other thing that I didn't love was the casual genocide of the animate. You know these. Oh, yeah, now the yeah. animate are not hugely important, but the high evolutionary created a whole race of animal humanoids called the animen, and you know they've had various at various times various levels of importance in the larger canon of Marvel, especially in the eighties and nineties. I guess less so in the more modern stuff. 
But the casualness of the genocide of that whole planet, yes, it sort of brings home the theme mm-hmm. that the high evolutionary is, is bad. He sucks. Person. He's the worst. Yeah. He's the fucking worst. Well, guess what? I think we got there. We got a lot of that in the animal torture, quite honestly. Mm. Like, I think the amount of CGI animal suffering is enough for most people to go, hey, I don't like this guy. This guy sucks. Yeah, this guy sucks. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know that we needed the full destruction of a planet, which again, I guess that's a spoiler. I, was, I apologize. We should have said, we should have warned you about spoilers for Guardians. Yeah, they know what it is, Liam. Go on. The point is, it was too, for me, it was too casual. It was too basic. It was too, yeah, I guess we're just going to blow this whole planet up now. And I just didn't love that. I just thought that, like, I get it. Like, it's it's the vibe of the movie. But it, it put me in a place where I felt like we were not taking seriously the stakes of the movie. If we're going to have something that horrific happen and not at least pause more about it. Like at least make it a bigger emotional beat. You are pulled forward in this movie into a very sort of intense and at times quite honestly, humorous situation. I would, I just wasn't ready for goofiness after they took out the whole planet. And that's not to be soft. Like we just did an episode on threads, right? Like obviously I like stark things. I just think the vibe of this movie, even with the inclusion of horror and gore, the vibe was still not, we took out an entire race of people. And especially if that's going to be the vibe, why spend time humanizing the bat lady? Like we got, we got to feel feelings for her whole bat family just to have the whole planet get destroyed. It just felt yeah. like a weird choice. And, you know, I think I've, I've seen people complain about some of the tonal shifts in the movie. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before, Josh. I like tonal shifts. I'm not against tonal shifts. I think I can vibe with a lot of things. This moment felt like it was pushed a little harder than it needed to. Uh, and it didn't, again, it didn't ruin the movie. I still had fun with it overall, but it just felt like a moment that could have played a little bit more intentionally than it did. And that was mm-hmm. frustrating to me. That being said, those are my only two complaints. And you know, lately with Marvel, as much as I think they're We've generally pretty good, yeah. I still also have complaints. I don't think if you have complaints about Marvel, you're wrong or anything either. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but like, I think that all the Marvel movies have had bad things, like, since the first, since the first Iron Man till now, not even counting the off-brand ones. They've all had things that didn't quite work, so I don't understand the new, like, all the new ones are bad, but all the other ones are great. It doesn't make sense to me. But I will say that, like, this felt like a much better executed movie than I've seen some people say. Like a lot of people love it too. It's not like univocally being rejected, but I've seen a lot of people who love those first two really think that this one missed the mark. And I don't get it, Josh. Like I thought I had fun again. Like I I said, not everything works, but a lot of the dialogue works for me. Things that work. Like just the fact that rocket, you recognize now that the reason he's stealing all the limbs from everybody in the other two movies is because he's thinking of his friends that they do the flashback on on this one. Yeah. Fucking awesome filmmaking, man. That shit is great. That is I mean, awesome writing. Well, and I'll say, too, there are people who aren't as excited about these movies because they don't like uh, Chris Pratt. And I get that. There's a lot of reasons not to like Chris Pratt, quite honestly. However... Uh, I'll say with this movie, this is not Chris Pratt's movie. This is Rocket's movie. Like, yes, we're going to get more Star-Lord in the future, and you might be stoked on that, or you might not be. Uh, But Rocket is 
the focus of this movie. And I think with good reason, man, like they really make that character so dynamic and interesting and really like, I felt moved by this movie. Um, Not as deeply as our next film per se, Mm. but still relatively moved. And just like you said, it's, it's very quality filmmaking to pull a lot of these threads together over three movies in a way that it feels very strong for me. You know, I agree. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fine time. Um, I would recommend it. If you are at all a fan of any of the guardians movies, this is of course what you're going to watch. So you know what, man? It's it's a popcorn muncher. It's a summer blockbuster. It's a good time. And not without its faults, but highly recommend for a break from the summer heat if you need oh, two and a half hours to chill. I agree, too. I, I agree with that. I think like for people who are maybe getting a little burnt out, maybe this is a hard one. But I think for a lot of people who still have some appetite for Marvel movies, this fits the bill. I think it's very fun. I think... It does have some of that quippy Marvel dialogue that some people are bummed out on. To me, it 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 has enough ga- actual gags that it works. Um, I liked that there was humor running through, even some of the more darker parts. Like I said, the only place where the mixture of dark themes with silly humor doesn't quite work for me is the destruction of that planet. But, you know, mm. other than that, I think the mixture really works. And the fact that you know, Starler is having such a hard time and his friends want to be helpful, but also are just kind of jerks to him because that's just who they are. That works for me too, man. Like I thought yeah. all of that was done very well. I liked the high evolutionary. I think in these Marvel movies, they're just, they're really scared of keeping the villains around like heroes last forever. Villains yeah. often die after one movie, unless they're like the biggest of the big bats. I think yeah. the high evolutionary, I can see why some people might not love that they took him out, but it is a Marvel movie. Maybe they'll bring him back. I don't know. Uh, but I, I got to say, like, while I understand that, I think the pushback on Adam Warlock, just be patient. I guarantee this this dude's coming back. So if you want yeah. more of him and you want him to have grown as a character, that's going to happen. Like, I think the next time we see it's him, coming. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's going to have learned a lot because. Uh, that's sort of the nature of that character is this cycle of rebirth, dying and coming back. I mean, again, he's basically space Jesus. So let space Jesus do his thing. OK, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let him know. have his agony in the garden. It'll be yeah, exactly. 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 Uh, but yeah, I got to say one of the highlights for me, they go to that lab planet that's all gooey and whatever. And Nathan uh, Fillion shows up. So good. Brilliant. Stuff. So good. Brilliant stuff. Ah, Loved it. Wonderful. Uh, the, I think the comedic bits really work for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, the only bummer is I really like the version we, we, you know, I, we're, I don't want to do full spoilers about who lives, who dies, all that kind of stuff. But I do think we see a version of the team at the end. That's like, this is what it's going to be into the future. That is kind of fun. I don't know that we're going to see that again. I'm, I'm assuming if they still do the plan guardians movies. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're going to do guardians movies anymore. They might use those characters though. in something like, you know, they're, they've got, they're going to have the secret war stuff and all the, uh, yeah. the, the Kang dynasty stuff, whatever. I think some of that stuff will pull in these other characters, even if they don't have their own movies anymore. I think that'll be fun, but I am curious about these characters and like the one remember, uh, 
Well, actually, I don't want to talk about that. that. I was about to talk about a detail from the comic books that's in the movie, and then I just realized like that gives away some of the some of the final plot points. So I don't want to do that. But let's just say if anyone is curious, like if it seems random who these characters are, these are these are characters from the comics. So like yeah. do a little research. You'll find it interesting, I promise. I'm not saying you have to read the comics per se. There's a lot of comics uh from like the 2010s that I like. I'm not gonna go out and buy the issue, but I'll do a little reading to find out like, okay, who is this person? Why do they matter? Why are blah, they blah, here? Blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. I'm also curious to see. It doesn't sound like we're gonna get an Eternals uh sequel Sequel? anytime soon it's just not sounding like there's a lot of energy there for that to happen yeah so that movie was terrible i didn't hate it i didn't love it but i didn't hate it Mm. uh but that let's not waste star fox man let's not wait let's not waste thanos's brother because uh right i want to see and let's also not waste uh the Patton oswald character the little troll guy right puck puck yeah yeah in the comics, he's more of a sidekick to Adam Warlock. They're like yeah. attached at the hip. So now that he exists in the MCU, you got to bring that motherfucker in, man. I want to see him and Adam yeah. hanging out. I, I need that. some Patton Oswalt, man. Come yeah, on. I need that in my life. So that's fine. I don't need an Eternals sequel. If, if we're going to leave that behind, that's fine. But don't leave. Also, we need to acknowledge in one of these other movies that there's a giant celestial sticking out of the planet now. Like, is mm. anyone going to? I, I guess the only person who could acknowledge that really is Star-Lord. So I guess it's good that he's on Earth now because he'll, he'll actually know. Oh, fuck. That's a celestial, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, let's anyways. Yeah. So I don't not a much more to talk about with this movie, I guess. But I, I do think like, you know, I, it's an endorsement from a, from the both of us. It's an endorsement of. A fun popcorn movie, you know. Oh yeah, it doesn't a reinvent the genre, movie. but it's no. good. It's a fun time. It's a good time. Agreed. Now, let's talk about our next feature that we'll be discussing on this episode. Liam, give it to me. I need to hear your insight on this. Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. When ahead. see, I don't know anything about Spider Gwen. I don't know anything beyond sure, what happened sure, in the last sure, um, sure. Spider Miles Morales Spider Man, but um, go ahead, let me know. Okay, hey y'all, if anyone read my review last 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 year, uh, when the last movie came out it was about five years ago at this point, I loved it so much unexpectedly that we I wrote, both loved it so yeah, much, yes, yeah, so much that I wrote a review that was a huge glowing review, and it really was. I wasn't writing a ton at the time, and I certainly wasn't writing about new movies, but I just happened to catch it and was like, fuck, this is great. What the fuck? Like, I just was blown away by how good it was. And so I wrote about it. And at the time, I made a pretty big claim, which is that this is my favorite comic book movie of all time. And I got to say, in the five years since, I've liked a lot of comic book movies, liked a lot. I don't know that any of them have really challenged Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse for that spot until now. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is not only my favorite comic book-based movie, it might be my favorite animated movie of all time right now. I gotta see it again. I don't wanna I don't wanna freak out and like yeah, it's you just don't want to hyperbolize without a second viewing, yeah, at least. But I, this is what I gotta say about it. One, um it understands the genre it's doing in that we need to make a narrative that connects to the past movie that reminds the audience of comic books, 
but isn't so reliant on the comics that without knowing those comics, you'll feel lost. Because here's the reality. I've only read a little bit of some of the Gwen, you know, uh, uh, Gwen Stacy it was, was not a spider character a long time ago. And it's only since the, the spider verse stuff, which is from the comic books, not in the form it is in this movie, but there is a whole thing in the comic books where there's connection between the different Spider-Men and different dimensions. And in one place there is a, 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 a whether you want to say spider Gwen, spider woman, or ghost spider, whatever it is, she exists. She plays drums in a band. She, I think in the comics, they also have the, she kill, she not kills, but you know, has a fight with a lizard form of speeder, Peter Parker who dies. All that stuff I think is, if not directly in the comics is like resonating with the comic books. Right. Mm. However, from what I understand, despite the deluge of references here, not just the comic books, there are references in this movie to other movies, live action yeah. and otherwise. The Venom movie. <laughs> to, to motherfucking video games, multiple video game references, to cartoons all the way back to the 70s Spider-Man cartoon. Any oh reference God. you can make to a Spider-Man property, not just a movie and a cartoon, which are maybe relatable to everyone, there are comic book references that only the deepest of comic nerds will be able to pick out. Uh, in fact, okay, we said no spoilers. I do just want to say, the the Scarlet Spider stands out there. We'll be stoked on a certain moment, in, oh, uh, yeah. a series of mm-hmm. moments in this movie. Anyways, the point is, this movie has a lot of just layered nerd references in it, and yet it isn't alienating to casual fans who don't get it because the central story is compelling. And in fact, a lot of the most compelling aspects of the movie are while related to the comics are original to the movie. It seems to me now I'm no expert, but the vibe I've gotten is that there's a lot of inspiration from the comic narratives, but there isn't a lot of stuff in that first movie or in this movie where it's like, well, if you haven't read the comics, you're not going to get it. No, they make the chance. They make the, 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 the effort to make sure you understand what's happening. So that's a, that's a success in and of itself. Secondly, it's a successful sequel. Because it doesn't try to copy the first movie. It takes the narrative of the first movie. It expands it. And it doesn't just expand the world. It expands the gritty details. We know more now about Gwen Stacy and about Peter B. Parker, right? And we get new characters that expand the world out. And we understand more of the the dynamics and details of Miles Morales' life as well. So we're getting all that extra context we need while expanding on the themes and the narrative of the first movie in a way that feels exciting and engaging and never overwhelming. That's, that's incredible in and of itself. And then the animation, when I saw that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie five years ago, I thought this is some of the most incredible animation I've seen in my life. It might be better than a lot of anime, which is for me, my favorite, Mm -hmm. my favorite animation is usually this movie tops that. Oh it's way God. above and it and it does it in, in both ways it is aesthetically more pleasing like the animation itself the art all that's more pleasing but also they continue the theme of we're going to change not just the style but the medium the very medium yeah. of the animation itself to represent different dimensions and different realities and different characters and it does it all intentionally and with great and attention to detail yeah it's, it's unbelievable so good it's, it's so good I mean, dude, look at the texture of Miles Morales' yes. hair. Yes. 
in this movie. And it is incredible how how just good it looks. Oh, my God. And here's the other thing about it, though. Like, did did you ever at all feel like, oh, is this a 3D movie that I just don't have the goggles for? Oh, <laughs> there's okay. a lot of it where I was like, ah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe yeah, it's a mistake, yeah. but the background is a little too blurry in contrast to the stark, like almost photographic depictions in front of the camera. Right. Like it, it just for a minute, I was like, am I not? Did I was I supposed to wear goggles for this? You know? Yeah. I don't know. But outside I, of that, that's I, it, I, my I, only complaint. I, if that's a complaint. I didn't find that at all. In fact, I felt like in a lot of scenes, there's a very emotional scene that, I, again, I can't spoil anything for you guys. There's a very emotional scene between a character and their parent. And I don't want to say who or Oof, even in, uh, in what universe it is. But the background was dripping. It had turned yeah. to watercolors. And those watercolors were actively dripping behind you. Oh, the, my God. It was use, so good. The use in these movies of both literal representations in the animation and then interpretive ones where we are artistically pushing the boundaries of the reality we've set up to represent ideas and themes. It's magical. And it's not just magical and compelling in and of itself. It feels like a direct reference to comics, to why we love comic books, to why we care about comic books. And it manages to, to, to add all these elements in and still we are invested in miles and not just in miles as like, he's going to save the multiverse or he's not going to save the multiverse, but also like his relationship with his mom and his dad. Like how do you Uh, have a movie with this many spider characters with this much interdimensional travel with this much at stake in what's going to happen. And yet I'm as invested in how his mom and dad feel about him as a person as I am in the fate of the multiverse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And and his relationships to the people he loves to the other spider people he loves to Gwen, to Peter B to all these folks, you know, also, Peter mm-hmm. B. Parker, the, uh, here's another just small spoiler, has a baby in this. You, you would know that from the trailer, actually. But uh, it, that's amazing. It's amazing. Everything they do it's with the so baby fun. is good. And there's a bunch of stuff in this that I was – this is the other thing. I think watching the trailer, people might think they have an idea of what this movie is about. And you kind of do. And you but really you don't. Do. Yeah. And not only that, there are multiple big reveals in the movie that I think – Anyone who is familiar with comic books and familiar with how comic book narrative goes, you know where this is going. You know what those are. Mm. And yet the way that the movie reveals them to you, I was, again, I wasn't surprised, but I was really hit by each one of those revelations. Not because I didn't see it coming, but because the way it happened fucking hit me in the gut. I mean, this is an- And the sincerity with which they're delivered. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like, seriously- I think you might be right, man. This might be the greatest animated movie I've ever seen. It is. It is in the running from the greatest animated movie I've ever seen. It is. I'm pretty sure without a doubt, the greatest comic book movie. And for me, you know, I've watched a ton of videos. I shouldn't say a ton. I've watched a few videos on YouTube about Marvel movies, usually just for like references to like Easter eggs and stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's happened in the last 23 years since I was reading Marvel regularly that I don't know about. So I'll watch videos on Nerdist, Screen Crush, other websites, just to get an idea of like, what are some of the Easter eggs from the more modern comics I'm missing? And I've really gotten a vibe from a lot of critics that like Marvel's fucking up. And I don't know that they're wrong in every way. I think 
the the only time I find them blatantly wrong is when they say Marvel used to be great and now they're fucking up. I feel like they've been fucking up since day one. It's just not fucking up in a way where I think it ruins all the movies. But I do think they've they've missed a number of opportunities, in my opinion. Now, the vibe lately has been here are the mistakes that Marvel is making. The way they do A, the way they do B, the way they do C. And the reason I'm not saying what those things are is because this movie does every single one of those fucking things. Everything I've seen in a video in the last six months that's like, this is what Marvel did, and it fucking sucks. They never say that, actually. They're much nicer than that. But they're like, this is what Marvel (laughs) does in this movie, and it really drops the ball. This movie does that, and it does it in a brilliant, amazing way, and they nail it, and they nail the landing, and... You know, fuck it. I mean, even to the extent that I've heard a number of people who are maybe less comic book nerds, but they like Marvel stuff are like, this whole multiverse thing is tired. I don't want to do it. I think it's going to get confusing and stupid. I'm just not into multiverses. This movie is unafraid to push every aspect it can of what it means to operate in a multiverse. And it's never confusing. It's never frustrating. They nail it every single time. And it functions for the narrative. It's not just a MacGuffin. Oh, we're in a multiverse. Oh, whoa. It, there are yeah. still stakes. In fact, the stakes I think are higher. They found a way to take the multiverse and it's not taking away the stakes. It lifts no. the stakes up. It makes yeah. it even more intense. And it's just a fucking accomplishment to, in my mind, Josh, because it somehow is its own thing, but is also, unavoidably of the comics it is a it is related in such it's like when you hear something like in a musical sense something where you could if you wanted to go through and name all the influences and homages but also the thing itself is without a doubt its own thing right yeah that's how i felt about this i felt like this represents why i love comic books but i don't feel like i know what it's drawing from in an obvious way right and yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that about it. I love it. I love that too. I love the fact that also to my earlier point about uh you have hurt, you hurt my feelings. This movie is seamlessly multi multiracial. Yes. And in such a way that none of it feels like monkey wrenched in there to fit a diversity quota. Like the movie is what I want out of New York City, goddamn. Which is what yes. I've experienced in New York City. You know what yes. I mean? Like and it's it's so good. It's so good that it doesn't feel like like it's not like they have a Spider-Man that's like, you know, oh, he's in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those like it feels like, yeah, that's what it would be like if you had the actual world that we live in and then a Spider-Man. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes, it's, 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 I fucking loved that part of it. The, now, I, I want to acknowledge, I think uh, there is a intense meta-ness to this movie uh there's a pushback against honestly against marvel i i think if you're paying attention you're going to notice a few things in this movie again i'm not going to spoil any of them so don't get nervous that are direct knocks against the mcu direct yeah i would direct both in certain cameos that happen uh but also in the overall themes of the movie and the idea of are we trapped either in a real world sense by the idea of destiny, this is just how it has to be, or as creators, 
by narrative tradition and genre. This is how it's always been done. So you have to do it too. Well, why the fuck do I have to do it? I mean, just the fact that like people are making movies like this in the world, Josh, and still referencing the hero's journey. Who gives a fuck, man? Like, we already have a new hope. Leave that shit behind. We don't need it. If you want to do it, that's fine. But if you're going to do it, maybe have a commentary about it. Maybe have something to say about the idea of it. This movie, I think, really is like, yeah, we know what you're expecting. We know what the beats of the song are. And yeah, we're going to hit some of those notes. But like, we're also going to do our own fucking thing. And you're going to come along with it because there's a certain assuredness to the filmmaking here that's like, this is the best shit out there. Like you thought we did it well last time. We're going to do it even better this time. And the yeah. things we decide to do that you're not expecting, you're just going to go along with it. Cause we we're fucking great. You love this. You have to love it. And I'll tell you what, Josh, in the audience that I was in, they fucking ate it up. In fact, I mean, this is the one thing that isn't a spoiler. Cause apparently it was in the press, but it was a big reveal to me that this is a, this is a cliffhanger, right? There's another movie coming next year, but it's a total cliffhanger. And I'll even say, this isn't a spoiler, but it's actually helpful to you as a viewer. There is no post credit scene, right? There's oh, not yeah. even, mm-hmm. there's not even breadcrumbs for you. The movie nope. ends and it fucking ends. And they're like, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next year. Fuck off. Right. <laughs> and honestly, the only thing that my audience was not in love with, was not fucking foaming at the mouth with excitement with, was when the movie ended and there was no post credit scene. And they're like, wait, really? Like, you really are going to tell <laughs> us to just go away till the next movie? They were so frustrated with that, but not in a, a way where it's like, because they don't like it. They're frustrated because they just wanted to live in that world. The movie could have been yeah. another, the movie could have been another two hours. And, and we would have been And fine. my audience would have been like, Sounds great. I'm sticking it out. You know, like it was, I don't know. Again, this is the problem. My excitement level with this thing is huge. It's massive. I'm so excited about it. Inevitably, because I'm so excited about it, someone's going to see it. It's not going to hit them the way that it hit me. And I will have by proxy bum them out because I set their expectations too high. So, hey, guys, it's a comic book movie. It's an animated comic book movie, right? And a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. You might not love it. You might not love some of the directions it goes. I don't know. Maybe you hate brown people. And there's a lot of brown people in this movie. Uh, there's a there's a lot of un, unsubtitled Spanish in the movie, which I think is oh, great. so funny. Yeah, it rules. Good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's you know your mileage may vary, but I'll tell you what, Josh, with some of the some of the decisions in the movie that were surprises that I really did not see fucking coming. Joy, I giggled through so many parts of this movie just because shit was happening I did not expect and that I thought was delightful. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing I said in my review, like I said, read my review. I got into a little more detail there. But what, the other thing I said that I, I just want to mention is rarely do you see a movie that takes seriously both the angst and the anxiety of teens and the struggle of the parents trying to parent those teens. Very often mm-hmm. we focus on the teens and the teens are full people. Or we focus on the parents and the parents are full people. This movie is like, hey, you know what sucks as much as being this 15-year-old kid who's trying to balance all this stuff? Trying to parent that kid. That also is hard. It's not an easy thing. And I just thought, fuck, the moments of this film. I mean, you know, I've never been a fucking superhero. But I think anyone who's been a teenager will identify with some of the aspects of Miles' life, right? 
I also identified it with the feeling of being a parent. Like his parents are humans who are worried they're fucking failing. And granted, they might worry more or less if they knew that their kid was fucking Spider-Man, but they're just worried about miles, not about the web slinger. And like, holy shit, the movie nailed that. And then it's nailing this very personal, very human, very like real interaction. And then there's like a, we're in a, a a hub of spider people and there's a spider cat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Fuck man. Like so good. Yeah. Anyways, Peter Porker makes an appearance in it. And again, I know we said no spoilers, but come on, man. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid Ah. referencing all the different Spider-Man because again, in the trailer, they do it really well where there are specific things. Like that's why I said spider cat. Cause he's specifically seen in the trailer and you might see that and say like, Oh, I've seen all the big surprises. You have not seen all the surprises. You have not seen the surprises in the trailer. Yeah. So many fun fucking things that you don't know are going to happen. And I think that most people are going to have a good time with this movie. You might not feel as blown away as me because it's perfecting something that appeals to me as a comic book nerd. And that doesn't appeal to everyone. But I got to say, despite liking Guardians, despite liking some Marvel movies more than other people, I was running out of hope for the comic book movie because I really thought Mm. we can't do it any better. Like, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be these charming, but kind of, you know, not long-term for me movies that I think are kind of light. They're not serious. They don't mean much. And like, I don't need them really. Like I don't mind watching them. I have fun with them, but they're not a real thing for me. Right. And I really was feeling that about comic book movies. And this movie shows that you can do this kind of narrative that really go balls to the wall with the nerdery and the stupidness and just the goofiness that is comic books and still have it be deep and emotionally compelling. Now, granted, I, 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 I'm biased to like it already. That's why I like mm-hmm. so many of these Marvel movies. But I really think that liking this is real. This is an, a, a really well done movie. I agree. I agree. Like Fun. you said, I'm echoing what you said, Liam. It's probably my favorite comic book movie of all time. Oh, man, I just whew, blown away. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I check out my review on Cinepunks.com. Uh, I'm going to try to see it again with Suze because I just liked it that much that I want to see it again as soon as I can. <laughs> and, you know, if my opinion changes at all, if I notice something that doesn't resonate with me or I think something isn't handled well, I'll let you guys know. I don't mind shitting on things. But it is nice to finally love something like this, like, really deeply because now I'm not the guy that everyone's saying, like, oh, you hate fun. Like, I'm usually the everyone's telling me how much I hate fun guy. So I'm glad that on this one, I'm like, Hey, I love fun. I mean, I'm on board. I love fun. Yeah, man. I don't know. I loved it. It's great. All right. Well, well there you have it. Episode one, seven, five done and done as I love, always. I love that. We went from nuke movies to, to this uplifting this comic great. book. This movies. is great. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's the perfect sit over, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, as always, rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend if you need a T-shirt. If you need a, you know, a shout out, join the Patreon. Um, outside of that, thank you for listening, and we will catch you somewhere else in the multiverse. Smoke bomb, boom. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales, insightful criticism, judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. 
My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.